You're listening to the Wonder Women of Aviation, a podcast that helps preserve the history of women in aviation and highlights women involved in aviation. Each episode, we meet with women, both in and out of the cockpit, to talk about their passions, experiences, the history of aviation, and how they make an impact. So strap in and hang on tight as we soar through the skies with these Wonder Women of Aviation. The following podcast is presented for entertainment purposes and should not be used as flight instruction. The comments, opinions, and discussions provided by guests are their own. Please consult your own CFI for flight instruction. Knowledge and ACL Persian. Welcome to the Wonder Women of Aviation. Today I'm talking with a true Wonder Woman of Aviation, Kelly Garvin. Kelly takes flight to a whole new level by moving gracefully and carefully on the wings of an airplane while it's in flight. Kelly, I want to thank you for being here and thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I learned while prepping for this, I've been like researching wing walking. And one thing I learned that it dates far back as like 1911 or 1920s, which I didn't know. Um, It became popular in air shows and barnstorming. There's like so much history behind it. So I was like really excited to talk with you and kind of learn more about wing walking and in its current time and what that means. So I want to start out with, in your own words, can you describe what wing walking is? Absolutely. So uh, wing walking is basically just the art of walking outside the aircraft um, and making it look easy to the audience. Um, We're fighting some pretty strong winds out there. We take off uh, laying on the javelin, which is in between the two wings. So it's always done on a biplane. Um, well, there's an exception to that. There was the human fly, I believe back in the seventies. And he actually, uh, would stand on top of an airliner. Um, he would, yeah. And, uh, he did that until he encountered some pretty heavy rain and was injured and never did that again. Um, but other than the human fly, it is done on a biplane and we take off, uh, laying on the javelin in between the wings and then slowly progress across the wing up to the top of the aircraft, which, is where we're most visible to the audience. Um, but okay. it's, yeah. I'm trying to visualize it. So you climb up to, um, on top of the wing. So like, okay, if on the ground, if you could c- compare, I guess, wing walking to something on the ground, what would you compare it to? I can't think of anything that would compare. Maybe if you're driving down the highway and you stick your hand out the window, um, and you're driving it maybe, I don't know, if you're in Texas up to 85 miles an hour, um, that would be comparable. Uh, the way your hand feels as you stick it outside the window at that speed is what we're feeling constantly up there. But then add the prop blast on top of that. Wow, that's that's crazy. I can't even ma- imagine staying <laughs> on top of it, not falling off. So a biplane is the typical type of aircraft that you usually wing walk on? Yes. Um, so there's like the AGCAT that Jean Susie uses. Um, our act is on a Stearman 450. Um, you can also use a WACO. And just educate me on this. Is it just because the way it's configured or is it just has to be modified a certain way or is there a specific weight? Or So nobody's ever done the pits because the aerodynamics involved, it actually sends a flutter to the tail that you don't want um, just for the dynamics therein. Um, but for the Stearman, the WACO and the AGCAT, 
they can all handle it. It doesn't affect the tail or the dynamics in flight. Um, so those are the, just the ones. There may be another aircraft that I'm unaware of um, that you can wing walk on, but those are the three I know for sure. Okay, cool. Um, and I want to get more into like how you became a wing walker. I mean, you don't just say, hey, I'm going to be a wing walker. So is like, yeah. talk a little bit more about like what inspired you or like when did you decide, hey, this is what I want to do? So I am a very, very shy person, like awkward and shy. And so when I was a little kid, uh, I was obsessed with aviation and air shows and especially the Stearman aircraft. And I was watching a documentary on the Stearman one day and they had a tiny section on there about wing walkers. Now for me, talking to people back then, like just talking at all was like, it was a painful experience. Uh, that's how shy I am by nature. Um, and I was in awe of these wing walkers that I saw in that documentary and I thought, man, I want to be like them someday. Those ladies are brave. Like, I want to do that. Maybe if I can do that, I can actually talk to people. Um, and it seems like a silly goal, but I was a very small child. Um, and so after that, every air show I went to, I would tell people like, I'm going to be a wing walker someday. And typically it was the eye roll and like, yeah, sure you are kid, whatever. Um, and I don't think anybody believed I was going to be one, but I knew I was going to be. Um, as I got older, it became a matter of just bugging wing walkers until someone took me on to mentor me and teach me. Um, and it's difficult to convince someone to do that if only because it, they're potentially creating competition, right? And, uh, but thankfully, uh, I'm now on an amazing team, Third Strike Wing Walking. Carol took me on and we uh, developed the, the dual act that we do. It's been a great experience, especially learning from Carol, who's been in the industry for goodness. Gosh, I don't want to say, I, I want to say over 20 years, she's been wing walking. Wow. Um, and, and she's just a wealth of information. Um, also the way she taught me, it wasn't about just like you put your hand here and just memorize this routine. Like she would explain, you, you have to hold here or grip here in this moment, but the reason behind it is this, right? And she would tell me how to wrap my arms and things. Given the reason behind it made that information stick with me. And you definitely need to have that kind of knowledge uh, behind it as you're learning you don't want it's not something you want to just walk up to a plane and be like yeah no so today I feel like I'm gonna wing walk I can I can figure this out on my own like that's not 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 the approach you want to take right so it is a routine that's involved which is interesting so similar to um I guess aerobatics or air show pilots there's a routine that you practice there is um though it's not like you approach the entire routine right at the beginning. So again, much like aerobatics, you definitely have to crawl before you can walk. And also you have to go really slow before you can go fast. You know, it, it, so I went through the routine on the ground for days before we ever went up in the air. And when I did go up in the air the first time, you only go up to the top wing. So you go, you transfer from the front seat of the aircraft and climb up to the top because that's the easiest movement to make. Um, and then just climb back down and land. So it was incremental. It wasn't all at once. But yes, we definitely have a routine that we go through. Um, the same way I'm sure your husband, husband Patrick, goes through his aerobatic routine on the ground and just walks through it before a performance. We do the exact same thing. Even with our dual acts, Samantha and I will both be out there walking through the entire routine uh, before we go up. And we'll do that with our pilot as well. Just walk through it on the ground. Okay. Yeah, I've always been interested and intrigued. I'm like, okay, I, I see, you know, you're up there, you make it look really easy. And I'm like, I'm sure there's a lot of training.
involved in wing walking. So when we first started, I'm going to go back. How long did Mm -hmm. did the process take you to actually learn and and be comfortable before you went up in the air? So I, the, so I've been with two different teams. um, And for the first one, for both of them, actually, it was about half a day um, before I was up in the air the first time. But again, that wasn't through the whole routine. That was just getting up to the top wing. And it seems very easy on the ground. Um, and even if you incorporated prop blast into that, we're like, well, I'll practice with a propeller on, but there's no preparing yourself for what you're about to experience once the pilot. So we can't communicate, uh, verbally, obviously with our pilot, everything is through hand signals and through him rocking the wings to get our attention. So the very first time you go up, um, he'll rock the wings and that tells you it's time to get out because we also have an envelope of time, right? So, cause he has to bring that propeller speed back for us to be able to make it to the top. So as he does, he rocks the wings when he sees that person, he's going to pull that propeller way back. Um, that also means the aircraft is now going to start to descend pretty rapidly. Um, and so we have only a certain amount of time in which to get to the top wing, even that very first time, though we start at a higher altitude, obviously when it's just practice. Um, but he rocked the wings to tell me to get out. I started to reach up as I'd, I had practiced on the ground, playing my hand to start to try to get up to the top wing. And before I knew it, my arm was behind me and I knew to prepare for that, but there's no preparation for that. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so at that point I tried again, I was like, well, maybe my left hand tried again. Nope. That was behind me before I knew it. Tried my right again. Same deal. Um, and so I decided to maybe start to stand up in the cockpit because the person who had trained me was able to do that, but I'm a little taller than that person. And so I very quickly realized that that was a bad idea for me to do to stand up right, right then. Um, and so I kind of crouched back down and in that moment, I thought, you know, maybe this isn't for me. Like maybe quitting is, (laughs) maybe I should just be like, no, this isn't for me. Um, and I think that both the, the adrenaline of what was happening uh, combined with the adrenaline from the knowledge that I'm not a quitter and I was going to in fact do this um, gave me the strength. I then reached up again and was able to grab that top wing um, and start my ascent. But it's never pretty, especially when you're first starting. Um, we make it look easy when we're performing in front of crowds now, but obviously it takes a while to get to that level of polish. Okay. Yeah. I, I haven't had the pleasure of seeing you in person, but I've seen a ton of videos and I've seen you on film. I'm like, oh my gosh, like like I said, you make it look easy, but there, I'm sure there's a whole lot of work involved, especially from training fitness. So I'm sure you have to be fit yes. and toned or actually strength. Cause you're using a lot of your, your body movement. And I'm sure with the G's, so you can, can you talk about what are the, some, some of the things you do to stay in shape both on and off season? Right. So weight training is really important being, and uh, a lot of people think it's about grip strength. Um, I do have a good grip. But that's really, if you're, you, if you are a wing walker relying on your grip, uh, it's the, that's, that's not a good place to be. So you want to have good arm strength and leg strength, especially because that step up, um, it doesn't look that big from the cockpit up to the top wing, but it's actually quite a large step. And, um, when we practice that over and over, if your legs aren't strong, you're not going to be able to make that step up. Um, just at all because of the forces you're fighting to get uh, to get up there. So a lot of uh, strength training is super important and endurance, just being able to deal with the conditions. Um, I know your husband does a lot of the same type training, except he incorporates boxing as well, which I did a long time ago. I haven't done recently. Oh my God. I love boxing. Boxing is amazing. And 
I tried, um, which I was going to ask you, uh, I guess Ariel, Ariel yoga. Or yes. Ariel? Oh my gosh. So I thought of you, I'm like, I wonder if she creates that or uses that to bring your body up. Is that something that you utilize in wing walking? Yes. So okay. um, I've been doing the Ariel silks. So it's like yeah. Ariel yoga, but without the knot at the bottom. And I just love it. Um, and truly, um, grip strength, it, while it's important, it's more about the arm wraps and three points of contact. So more like more akin to rock climbing, um, as far as the principles behind it are concerned, um, because your hand is going to get tired quickly if you're having to rely on that to hold yourself. Uh, so what Carol taught me was letting the airplane kind of cradle us. So like when I'm on the side wing moving across to get back into the, to get into the cockpit, I'm letting those um, the cables that are the cross wing cables. Um, I'm letting those grab me as I fall backwards and across. And then I wrap my arm. We call it the Superman move because I'll wrap my arm around the strut. And then I kick my leg back to get into the cockpit. You're working, instead of working against the forces that are pushing you, you're working with them to help make the experience slightly more easy. Um, obviously when we're cr uh, climbing up to the top, it's hard to have any of the forces work with us. We are just fighting against them. I think you mentioned it earlier but i don't know if we went into numbers how fierce are the winds when you're up there you know it's hard there's i'm sure there's a calculation and i don't know it but now i'd be very interested to find out once you incorporate prop blast and the speeds that we're going um to figure yeah. that out i'm sure it's calcul calculable um and being a math teacher i'd be very yeah. interested to actually calculate that <laughs> surprised Not you haven't calculated miss. that <laughs> right I am now too. I'm a little disappointed in myself. <laughs> I mean, you went through R2-D2 in the circumference of him. <laughs> right? I am so glad you remember that. That was one I of did. my favorites. <laughs> I was like, Calculate the volume so awesome. of R2-D2. <laughs> <laughs> She's incorporating Star Wars and math. Um, yeah. yeah, when you my find question. it out, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. Absolutely. Now it's a mission. So from a safety perspective, um, are you tethered to the plane or how does that yes. work? Okay. <laughs> I was curious. I'm like, cause I've heard, I guess back in the day they weren't tethered and I'm like, that's yeah. really dangerous. So you are tethered. We are tethered. Um, I have a rock climb climbing harness that I wear. Um, and it's a, a steel cable that we have and it's, um, a little, it, with my first team, I had a very short cable, so I would have to attach and reattach as I moved across the aircraft. With this team, I have a longer cable. I never have to uh, detach as I move, um, I, but it creates its a hazard in of itself occasionally just because it's long. So you have to keep an eye out for your cable as well because the wind will catch it. Um, but it is a very good safety feature. And also it's because we are not there to traumatize the audience, right? right. They don't want to see us fall. Uh, so it's as much a courtesy to the audience as it is, of course, self-preservation for us. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We don't want anything to happen to any of you. Mental focus. So I'm sure just like, you know, my husband, Patrick, he gets in the zone and sometimes he's like, okay, get away. <laughs> so, yeah. um, from a mental like focus, how do you feel, you know, right before a flight? Are there any things that you do to prep um, during, I guess, and after? So um, I think we're all individualized in that. For me, I stay very uh, open, uh, even up until the minute I climb on the airplane. Now, once I'm on and on the wings and ready to go, my focus is obviously on what I'm doing. Um, 
once and and once we're in the air i mean it's a completely different matter there's really not even a choice to your focus at that point because your body goes into an almost uh survivalist mentality um seconds just stretch out and and there's no more like oh what am i gonna have for dinner or like what am i doing it is literally just like the next hand movement and you're very intensely focused. Um, there's really not a choice behind that. But yeah, before and after, I've never been one that needs to be in my bubble so much. Um, though I'm I'm focused once the airplane starts and I climb up on the airplane. That's then I become focused. Um, but I know a lot of performers do need that bubble time. And and I I do remove myself for about an hour before the flight just to kind of take time to text my family and my fiance and just like touch base with everybody. So kind of like leave the chaotic at uh, air show environment for a little bit of quiet time beforehand. Yeah. Cause I know, I mean, I've experienced it myself. You get into that moment. It's just like, it all runs together. And before you know, it, it's like, it's, it's over. So it's like, it's chaotic. <laughs> That's probably yeah. the best way to describe it. You're like, it is. So I see that you guys or you gals typically have really cool clothes and outfits. Is that, is there specific clothes or gear that you have to wear to, um, wing walk? So it, it becomes kind of a hodgepodge. There are basics of necessity that we need, right? So you need to be able to feel your feet. You need to be able to feel through whatever shoes you have on and you don't really want to have heels like, um, Teresa with Jean Susie, she can wear heels uh, because she's on a metal aircraft. Okay. Uh, I am on a fabric aircraft, so heels are kind of out of the question. And as we step down, being able to step backwards and feel where you're stepping is super important. So I have neoprene scuba diving boots that I wear. Okay. Um, They're (laughs) maybe not the best looking thing, but they are, they're like a basically the equivalent of a high high top tennis shoe but with like neoprene and then rubber at the bottom so I can I can feel through really easily um and then we have to have things that are tight so I have a a a blend uh costume that is um but it's just basically black spandex but because it has to be tight because you're getting you're getting beat up up there yeah Uh, the wind takes it out of you you get bruised every little thing is hitting you at a high velocity, uh, your clothing included. So if you have a small piece of fabric that you don't think is going to be a big deal on the ground, the second it starts hitting you repeatedly, it's going to leave a really big bruise and you don't want that. So we've got to keep our clothing tight. Uh, and we obviously have to have goggles. I wear Harley Davidson, uh, motorcycle goggles because they're low profile. They're not going to get yanked off my face. Uh, they vent, but just a little bit, and they've been really wonderful. And then obviously head covering, it's not mandatory. It is highly recommended. You don't want to have to deal with your hair up there. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine the wind. <laughs> yeah. All over. Yeah, it does. I've, I've had before where at least I'll leave my hair down. So it'll come out of the bottom of my, uh, the head covering that I'm wearing. Um, but it just, it's knotted like crazy. Like there's just no getting around it. So, and then I also wear, um, batting gloves, baseball batting gloves. I didn't used to, uh, but it has improved how I feel up there, uh, being just having everything covered up. And that's a rule of Carol's is that we have to have, there's no exposed skin except for on your face because you don't want to act like have your hand or arm or something brush up against a wire or something that cuts you and have it startle you. Um, it's unlikely, but you just don't want to have that happen. So having everything covered is super important as well. 
Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just thinking it because the reason why I ask is, you know, I wear my cosplay and my Wonder Woman and someone's like, are you a wing walker? I'm like, I don't think I could wear this costume if I were going up <laughs> in an airplane. <laughs> like, that would be cool. <laughs> but no. <laughs> well, Ashley Battles was actually, she wore a Wonder Woman costume uh, wing walking, but it wasn't like yours. It wasn't the the the, the armor. <laughs> exactly. The really cool armor. Yeah. Yeah, my custom. Which I love your costume. Right. No, and who designed who made that for you? Because it is it is awesome. I uh, ordered it from Italy. Um, you know, but there's a lot of people that's a whole different world that make costumes for cosplay. And I don't know how they do it, but she like did the molding and I specially ordered it from Italy and it was, I mean, it, it's way, way more expensive than I wanted to pay for it, but it's 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 amazing. So I, I'm yeah. going to get another one. I want the 84 version as well. So that's, that's my nice. Next goal. <laughs> but, oh, that is going to be so cool. I guess what's your day job. So you don't wing walk, tw- you know, year round, right? So is there something yeah. else that you do to obviously pay the bills? Yeah. So up until this year, I was a math teacher. I taught seventh and eighth grade math. Um, but recently back in September, I moved to Barksdale Air Force Base here in Shreveport, Louisiana to be with my fiance. Um, and I now work at Tubro Aviation at the Shreveport Downtown Airport, uh, working customer service there. It is a great job. I love it. I love the family. So it's a small family environment there. Mm-hmm. It's locally owned and operated actually by Kevin Coleman is the owner. He is also an airshow performer and he does, he's, uh, with the Red Bull air races and sponsored by Red Bull does has an incredible aerobatic routine. He does at air shows. Um, and it's just been really great getting to work out there. So I get to work with airplanes all day, just completely living the dream. Love that. So it's been really fun. You get to see some practice and some air shows on your work time, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. So we have an aerobatic box right there on the field and I get to watch that all the time, which is, I mean, who can, yeah, I can't, couldn't ask for a better job. Oh, that's the best thing is, is loving what you do and it not feeling like a job. So it sounds like you definitely hit the gold mine there. Absolutely have. Yeah. And anybody <laughs> who's listening, if you fly into the Shreveport downtown airport, definitely swing by our FBO. Well, so you're not only a wing walker and, you know, you work at the FBO, but you also are an avid warbird uh, restoration enthusiast. Yes. So can you talk, uh, tell us a little bit more about how you got involved in restoration, the history behind it? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, I, so I've been working towards my AMP license, though I was lax there because for the longest time I felt like, you know, I just wanted to work on airplanes, but like for a hobby, for fun. And and so working towards a license was never like a goal. Um, after a while, I started deciding like that might be a dumb thing and maybe I should just log the hours because I'm doing them anyway. Um, but many moons ago, like 15 or more years ago, I showed up at the commemorative Air Force hangar there in San Marcos, Texas. So it's a really cool World War II wooden hangar that is full of warbirds. It is unique. It is one of a kind. Like there is, it is the only World War II wooden hangar that still operates actively full of World War II warbirds. Like it's a gem. Um, And I showed up there and volunteered and just wanted to be put to work. And I assumed that going in with little to no knowledge of how to do anything that they would be like, all righty, here's a broom, you get to sweep. And I was totally cool with that. Um, that is not what they did. They took me under their wing. They've been incredible. And 
you know, immediately said, Hey, do you know how to do this? And I said, I do not know how to do that. And they said, well, today you learn. And it was that over and over again. So I would go out every Saturday um, and, and every Saturday I got to learn more and more. Um, and it is a great group of people. Anybody who is thinking about maybe joining their local commemorative air force squadron, definitely go give it a shot. It's a great group, lots of camaraderie, and you get to work on some of the most incredible airplanes that still exist in the world. Um, so at that hangar, I get to slash got to, now that I've moved, it's a little more difficult, um, worked on a C-47, that's all brother, which was the first plane into Normandy dropping parach paratroopers on D-Day, um, B-25 Yellow Rose, a few T-6s, P-39, SC-45. So we had some really cool things there in the hangar that I got the opportunity to work on. That is so cool. And I'm still learning all these types of aircrafts. What's your favorite, I, I guess, Warbird aircraft are from the past. So my favorite Warbird is obviously the Stearman, um, always has been. Um, past that, I definitely, a huge piece of my heart is with the B-25, the Yellow Rose, because that's the first aircraft that I really got my start working on airplanes, like actually turning wrenches and, and doing that kind of thing on. And so uh, the, Yellow the Yellow Rose has definitely gotten a lot of my blood, sweat, and tears, all three, some, and some days all three all at the same time. Um, and so I, my, my heart definitely is with that aircraft, but yeah, anything with a radial engine is high on my list of coolest airplane ever. Okay. Wow. I'm going to have to look, Le definitely learn more and visit that. Um, I guess it's a museum you said, or it's a hangar, right? It's a hangar. So it is both. Okay. Um, it is a hangar okay. with a museum inside and then full of aircraft. Yeah. It's the commemorative air force hangar there in San Marcos, Texas, K-H-Y-I for the airport identifier. Pat's going to love me. I'll be like, we're going to go here. We're going to go there. It's <laughs> like, you're watching nothing but documentaries. I'm like, yep. <laughs> oh, you know, he's just excited and proud. He's like, my wife's the coolest. And that's accurate. <laughs> he's like airplanes again. I'm like, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll definitely check it out. Thank you for sharing that with me. Awesome. Yeah, um, so we're nearing the end of our discussion. Oh, I did have a question, a fun question. If you mm -hmm. could wing walk with anyone in the past is there oh, anyone gosh. that comes to mind because I like again doing my research I did not know that Bessie Coleman and Charles Lindbergh were actually wing walkers which is really interesting <laughs> yeah so that was actually gonna be my answer it'd be really oh. cool to wing walk with Charles Lindbergh and that's always that point of trivia that nobody seems to know is that he actually started as a wing walker to help pay for his flight training so, I never knew that I was just like yeah oh, a little wow. bit of trivia Cool. And I was watching Poncho Barnes last mm -hmm. night with Patrick. <laughs> nice. I was like, I mean, it's a little bit of a, a dated movie, but they had a wing walking scene. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to talk to Kelly tomorrow. <laughs> so was, I was really excited. I was like, this is a really good movie. So there is a lot of history when it comes down to wing walking and who was Absolutely. a wing walker and its origin. So for those of you listening, definitely um, watch Poncho Barnes. <laughs> Mm -hmm. check out I don't know if there's any other movie recommendations you would probably more than I would well I know the great wild wild of pepper has wing walking in it um yeah I've tried I, to get through that one three times yeah <laughs> I was gonna say I know that Carol is the so if you watch the movie Amelia which I've I've not really watched but um at the very beginning I've seen the intro scene and it has a wing walker kind of go over the crowd and that's Carol she did oh, really. That. Yes, oh. she filmed that scene. And I think she also did a documentary, I believe, as well, right? 
Carol has done multiple documentaries and she was, uh, there was uh, Discovery Channel uh, Canada. Uh, they had air show the TV program where they followed air show performers around and she was in that as well. Oh, I did not know that. I'm gonna have yeah, to and I was in the documentary they filmed on us back in 2016, um, but it was French FR1 or TR1, uh, whatever the, their primary TV channel I want to say it's FR1. I could be mm -hmm. so wrong. Anyway, they did a documentary on us and um, followed us around. That is it was a lot so of fun. Cool. So there's definitely documentaries out there if people want to learn more about you. Is there a, I guess, a website or um, I guess the next show that you all will be, be performing at or how can people find you? Um, so we're Third Strike Wing Walking has a website. I believe it's thirdstrikewingwalking.ca. Um, and we're, we had shows booked for this season. We're still hoping to have some near the end right now. Canada is still in a COVID lockdown and Carol is trapped in Canada. Uh, okay. so we hope to be able to have that lifted so that she can come down and we can get back to air shows and performing at air shows. I cannot wait to see you gals up in the air. I know things are slowly getting back to normal. It was definitely difficult, but we were just at Sun and Fun, and we're definitely excited to be at the many air shows coming up. So I hope you definitely will be in the air soon. Yes, me too. Well, and it looks like I'll see you at Oshkosh for sure. Oh, yeah. I'll have to And find I still need you, you to come on the air because, you know, I do EAA radio there. So I need you to come. Oh. We'll, we'll, roles will, will be reversed, and I can interview you. Oh, nice. Yeah, I heard, yes. I think Teresa Eman was telling me that you do um, a segment. What is it called? We're on the Traffic Jams show. Yes. <laughs> so once the air show ends, we begin, we take over. And um, it's about a two hour show every night after the show. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what she was telling me that you guys had everyone cracking up and it was a hoot. I'm like, we have to get the three of us together, which I planned right? schedules. Like, oh my gosh. What weren't working, but um. I definitely want to talk with yeah me, you and Teresa and just kind of just talk about stuff. So that that's in the works. So stay tuned for that. Awesome. That'll be a great time. <laughs> well, Kelly, thank you for taking the time um, for speaking with me. I definitely look forward to seeing all of you back in the air. And Absolutely. thank you all for listening to the Wonder Women of Aviation podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others or post about it on social media. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. The Human Fly show costume never fails to excite his audience. The bright red colors, the rhinestones, and the mystique thrills youngsters and adults alike. His face is never seen, and very few people know who he really is. The fly says that he doesn't want to draw attention to himself, but instead to that comic book superhero that he is trying to create. And Marvel Comics, incidentally, has just launched a new series called The Human Fly. It will be based on the true life story of The Human Fly, and it is the first comic book series ever that has been released on the life of a real comic book hero. Breathing is the uh, one of the hardest things that I must concentrate. I've never uh, practiced breathing at 300 miles per hour. It's very new to me. It's going to be very difficult to breathe at 300 miles per hour. I think for the uh, duration of time at 300 miles an hour, I'm going to be uh, holding my breath. It's going to be there's going to be tons of pressure on my chest. 
and uh, I've never tried it at 300 miles an hour. I've done some training in the wind tunnel, but uh, when you're on top of the plane, it's not like a wind tunnel. You had problems in Dallas briefly. What were they? Well, in Dallas, um, it was a sunny day when we started, but once we got in the air, we hit a thunder shower. When you're on top of that plane, a sh thunder shower, let me tell you, you never think you're going to get off that plane again. The uh, rain pelts were hitting me, I'd say, as hard as rocks. They ripped right through my leather suit. They lacerated my body. I had burns all over my body. I was in terrible condition. I fell unconscious, and I almost died. Fly, why do you do this? Well, I had a serious accident uh, about five, six years ago. It's been a dream of mine for the past five years. Well, I was in the hospital. I saw conditions that I've never seen before. Doctors said I never walk again. I walked again through my own aggressiveness and through the grace of God. And I had a dream to become the greatest daredevil that ever lived. And you will see today that I am the greatest daredevil that ever walked on this globe.